Middle of the Pack. Real discussions for the middle of the pack by the middle of the pack. We'll talk about training and racing, but we're here to deep dive into the life topics of the weekend warriors and obstacle course racing enthusiasts. Obstacle course racing isn't just a sport, it's a lifestyle. We are the middle of the pack. Welcome back to Middle of the Pack Podcast. My name is Meggie B. ATC. I am the OCR trainer, and I am here once again with Brian. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Once again, I am Brian Lynch, Lynch underscore BMX underscore OCR on Instagram. And uh, when they say middle of the pack, I'm about as middle of the pack as they get. <laughs> so, Brian, it's been a couple weeks since we last talked. What have you been up to? At Palmerton. Both days. That was fun. That was interesting. That's always a, a good, good challenge, good gauge of how the year is going. Hit the city talent. Thought I hit DECA earlier. Got DECA coming up this weekend. Otherwise, training, getting some stuff done, just seeing what's coming up, and of course, training for the World Championships coming up in September as well. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun time. I gotta look at my medals. I might be missing a race here or there, but yeah. You are. You definitely are because I saw you at Savage. Oh, that's right, Savage race. That was right up the street. So yeah, that was fun too. Uh, that was like actually, you know what? That's how we got back together. We saw each other at Savage. So yeah, there it is, Savage. That was it. <laughs> I don't know how I forgot about that one. That was right. Only a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that is definitely how we linked back up, and that was. The start of the craziness on my end. Yeah, how about it? I was supposed to be at Battle of the Lions on Savage Race Pennsylvania weekend. So I heard. And so for our listeners that did not hear about what happened, I had my flights booked. I had paid for my hotel. I paid for my rental car. I paid for the race. You know, I had talked to David and Sid and I told them that I was going to be coming. They were excited to have me when I talked to them at Indian Mud Run. And as soon as I was booking everything, I was tagging them in anything having to do with Battle of the Lions. Because that's what I do when I'm going out to a race. I want to promote the race as much as I can. Tell people where I'm going to be at. Really just hype up the race as much as I can. And usually they're really good at liking what I share on my stories. They'll respond they'll repost and I was noticing that none of that was happening but I'm like you know they have a race coming up they're probably busy no big deal I'm not gonna think anything of it so I have my suitcase completely packed I am getting in my easy non-impact cardio on Wednesday night with check-in for my flight is very early on Thursday morning and I have a friend that lives in Dallas he ran Battle of the Lions in Dallas last year, and it was my birthday weekend that weekend. So I was talking to him, and I'm like, hey, are you coming out to the race? It's only a couple hours from you. He's like, send me the details. So I go onto the Battle of the Lions website, and I notice the date for their endurance course was mysteriously changed to 2023. So, of course, I shoot an email or a message out to Sid. He's usually pretty good at getting back to me. Nothing. I send a message to the Battle of the Lions Instagram account. No response. Yeah. They're not even looking at it, which is weird because they're usually pretty active on Instagram. So, I'm in a serious panic. 
and thinking about all possibilities, I'm messaging Russ from OCR Buddy. And he's reaching out to a bunch of people. Nobody's hearing back. We're hearing that the Battle of the Lions pro team hadn't heard anything. We're like, what is going on? It's two days before a race at this point. We haven't received any race day communications. There's no map. There's no, you know, final emails, nothing. People have to be checking in for flights and getting on planes or getting in cars. Yeah, people are moving towards it at this point. So something's going on. Exactly. So I wake up frantic. On Thursday morning, I have a 6 a.m. client. So I wake up and I immediately check the Battle of the Lions Facebook group. And there are a couple other people that are posting what's going on. Is the race happening? The date has now changed on the website. Everybody's starting to speculate. And somebody comes in and says, hey, guys, the race is canceled this weekend. I don't work for the race brand, but I heard this from somebody. So then I still don't have a confirmation. My training is specific to racing. So I'm going to go and get my quick strides in. Hopefully we have more of an answer. As I'm walking out of work at like 9 o'clock, we get an email. And the race is canceled. All registration has been pushed to 2023 or they are offering refunds. I look in the Facebook group and Sid, he posted a message that said, hey guys, no excuses. We suck. The race isn't happening. So I busted my ass into game mode and said, well, my training is for racing. Mm. I'm not just hanging around here. I'm going to go race. So I threw my dog in my truck, called my parents and said, hey, Titan's coming out to stay with you guys. Can I borrow your vehicle? I'm driving to Pennsylvania on Friday. I'm going to go run Savage. So that's what I did. That's a crazy turn of events because you had to turn around real quick. You're, you're, you're mentally set. You're physically set to go to Oklahoma. And that's like, you know, you're on the East Coast. You don't want. It's not like it's just a hop, skip, and a jump away. And for them to shut that down like that, I mean, what what really came about? What was the final excuse? I mean, he said no excuses. We suck, but there's got to be something that just said, all right. Was it like a local municipality said no, or was it a you know, venue or something shut them down? What was their final excuse of what happened? So they didn't actually give an official excuse. The way the message was posted it makes it sound like they bit off more than they could chew Mm. i know you saw sid and aaron out at city challenge race the week before yeah yes battle of the lions to me i love city challenge race i love that sid and aaron are going out and helping out all these races personally knowing enough about other race brands The two weeks leading up to a race at minimum, your head has to be in the game thinking, okay, let's inventory everything that we have right now. Let's start getting ready to get on course to build, if not already having permits to build at that time. Yeah, an event like that, you would expect them to be kind of a little more like getting into it two weeks earlier. I mean, they do a wonderful job coming out to city talents and making that work. But if you got your own brand that you got to support, you got to 
you know, please, and I'm not, again, we say this again, we've talked about this before, you don't want to rip into these guys, but you got a brand to manage. That's your brand. You manage it. Elvin can do a pretty solid job of putting some of that stuff together with his group and his volunteers. And I know I was at that race that he challenged. They added a lot of uh, good value to that race and some good expertise. But if you got your own gig going out in Oklahoma, I would think I would think you would be there to prioritize that race over coming out and helping LV uh, out here in Hoboken for that weekend, especially when you're two weeks out. I mean, it was pretty much back-to-back weekends. So I had city, you know, I was at City Challenge. I was at Savage. That was back-to-back weekends. You can't take that time away from uh, a race out in Oklahoma, especially when you're supposed to be there. And the whole crew was out there at City Challenge. Uh, that's kind of that kind of throws me off of what really the excuse was. And I know Sid and Aaron are doing a lot together for build. I think when you have two incredible builders, yeah, Aaron could have gone to City Challenge race while Sid goes to Oklahoma, gets yeah. everything ready, and then Aaron comes out immediately after. That to me would sound like sure, you know, something that is feasible, and it still gives the quality product to both races. Yeah, because City Challenge, the groundwork's there. You don't have to worry about like pretty much prepping the course for, let's say, ripping through the woods, prepping like a field or anything like that. The course is pretty much there. You just got to throw the obstacles on it. And I'm not saying LV hasn't done it in the past. He's had an awesome group of volunteers. But if, let's say, either Sid or Aaron just showed up alone and the other one took care of Oklahoma, that probably would have kept that, that race alive. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, it's I love those guys, and I don't want to rip into them, but I think that would have been probably a better deal. Because, I mean, Battle Alliance is, a, is an awesome event. I mean, just going Indian Mud Run and seeing what they – just seeing a small uh, amount of what they brought out to brought out to Indian Mud Run, that was awesome. So I can just imagine what the remainder of that race is, and especially with those two. The way they run front line, the way they were running, like, a lot of the other races out there in the Midwest, Battle Alliance would have been awesome. But, yeah, I don't know what, what – kind of where they were thinking on that one exactly i love all of those guys i don't want to see their brand hurting Mm -hmm. at the end of the day this was their second of third events that was late canceled their dallas event earlier this year was postponed to october they gave a little bit more warning so i actually signed up and Got all of my travel set very late, later than I normally would, because I knew they had late canceled before. And I was like, there's no way they're going to late cancel a week before. Again, we don't want to speculate on what's going on. I hope they can figure everything out. I hope that Dallas event goes off without a hit. Mm -hmm. We know they are going to continue to build some badass courses everywhere they go. Absolutely. I'm still going to go out and I'm going to support them, whether they're showing up at Frontline, Highlander, Abominable. Yeah. Whatever they decide to name Indian Mud Run. If City Challenge Race can ever get back up to Massachusetts, hell yeah, yeah. I will run it. Absolutely. I will continue to support the races that they build at. I am a little skeptical about booking travel for Battle of the Lions right now. It's maybe just I'm a little sour about everything that happened. Yeah, I have not actually put in the request to get my race refunded 
So I have to decide whether or not I want to see if they can transfer that to a different course or if I want to refund that or if I plan to use it next year at their endurance mm -hmm. event. I do think that it was very admirable of them to not blame this on the weather because we were in the middle of a heat wave and Oklahoma was looking like it was going to be 100 degrees for an endurance event. And it could have been an easy way out to say, hey, guys, it is just way too hot. We got to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. So I applaud them for taking responsibility and saying, you know, there's no excuse behind this. This is all our fault. So I definitely can't fault them for that. No, not at all. I mean, they, let's face facts. In, in this business and any, any, kind of, any kind of sport where it has multiple, multiple events that are run by different organizations and different sanctioning bodies, whether they're upstart or like old school that have been around forever, they're huge companies, stuff does happen. Things happen all the time, and we've seen it with the biggest brands. Now we've seen it with the smallest brands that things do happen. And you know, sometimes the last second, you got to shut down a race, shut down an event, and you're just—it could be for any reason: lack of participation, lack of volunteers, the local municipalities, could be weather, could be just anything. I mean, we've seen some places where it's like, you know, two weeks before, three weeks before, a big event, big national level event has to get moved, and they have to scurry to find. A different location and that could have been part of the problem too maybe you know some you know t's weren't crossed and i's weren't dotted and something fell through the cracks who knows i mean what uh sid and aaron do and that whole crew in the midwest they put on some amazing events when they bring their expertise to other events it only makes it better what they've done with city talent helping uh lv build up his brand coming out to uh indian mud run, indian mud run this past year and really bringing some amazing stuff with them there. And, uh, I mean, these are the guys who are the future of the sport. So, hey, listen, glitches do happen. Hopefully, on your end, Maggie, you didn't lose too much money on this deal and everything gets refunded and everything could uh, stay the way it is. But, you know, you just hope it wasn't something where it was like, oh, yeah, we kind of really messed up on this and we won't let it happen again. And maybe it does happen again, maybe it doesn't. You hope it does you know. So, ultimately, I ended up losing – the money for the hotel. I was able to cancel my car and I had booked through Southwest and Southwest is offering flight mm. vouchers for canceling your flight up to 10 minutes before takeoff. I did not even bother checking in, even though me, OCD, whenever I fly Southwest, I'm like, the second check-in opens, I am, you know, hitting... Yeah check-in because I want that AC assignment any chance possible, but I don't want to have to pay for it. Um, but I have plenty of other trips that I'm going to need to make this year. And Southwest is a very reliable airline. So I do think I'll be able to use those flight vouchers for something. It's just unfortunate that it happened. I am kind of thankful that I didn't have to go out and spend a night in Oklahoma City. No offense to the people of Oklahoma. Not exactly at the top of my bucket list for visiting. <laughs> I can't imagine why. And I honestly think my experience at Savage, Pennsylvania was right now the best experience I've had in OCR this year. And that's saying a lot because we all know how much I loved Indian Mud Run. 
if there is that silver lining for you, you did go, that got canceled. And luckily enough, you had something close enough, which was an awesome event in Savage this year over at Pennsylvania. That was really a, that was really a fun event. That was really good this year. Good. It was amazing. I will say I drove out at 3.30 in the morning on Friday morning. I had tried to sign up to volunteer for Friday because my in my head, I'm like, I've already lost out on my race registration and my, my hotel in Oklahoma. I've technically paid money for airline tickets that I'm not using right now. I don't want to lose too much money. So I said, I'm going to volunteer on Friday and then race Saturday. But the volunteer slots were all sold out for Friday. So me, like, Bo has told me, come on out the Friday before a race. Usually people don't show up and we always need extra hands. So that's what I did. I drove out with the anticipation of getting there at 9 a.m. when the volunteer shift opens. So I pulled up at 8.55. Bo comes riding his cart in. He's like, I don't have you on my list. Said, I know. I was supposed to be in Oklahoma right now. And then he's like, well, we can always use the extra hands. And then it turned out not a single person who signed up to volunteer on that Friday showed up. Gotta be kidding. I was the only volunteer. <laughs> That's crazy. It's ridiculous. Like, these races can't go on without volunteers. Not at all. But also, you're signing up for a shift. You know the importance of what that means. You're taking away a spot from somebody else yes. who could be volunteering. Yes. Oh, what a bunch of characters. Seriously, you, you put your effort in it. We all know. Listen, we've all, whether, you're, whether you are a first-timer or, like, been doing this for, like, 11 years and, like, uh, as long as we have, you, you know the importance of volunteers for every single one of these races we've all attended. So if you're going to sit there and volunteer, you better show up. You better, hey, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. And when you don't show up, that hurts everybody involved because your set of hands do so much to help those events make make it happen. It's just, man, don't look good on that. Uh, if uh, someone told me, oh, yeah, I was volunteering, but I whiffed on it, uh, that ain't right. You volunteer, you stick to your guns. Exactly. Stick to your guns. You show up. And that day before a race is a primo spot. Mm-hmm. Those fill up quick. I know when I was planning to go to Battle of the Lions, I sent an email out to David and said, whoever else, and said, hey, I'm coming in at 10 o'clock on Friday. Can I come by the venue? And is there anything I can help with? You know, when I go and I race Savage, I'm going to go there early and I'm going to volunteer the Friday before. When I was at Spartan over the weekend, I taught the obstacle specialist on Friday. I am dedicating the day before the race to doing whatever I can to help grow the race. Absolutely. And I know a lot of other people who maybe travel on Thursday to get there early on Friday. And what better thing to do than to go volunteer? You get a, you know, fresh eyes on the course before anybody else. And you can give back. It doesn't even have to be about the free race or whatever else, which of course is an added perk. But you get to be there and you get to boost your own standing within that race brand. Oh, absolutely. The more you show up, the more the workers know you, remember you, and 
they will always go to bat for you then. Yeah, it just gives you a good, uh, it's a good feeling for yourself, but it's just a good look mm -hmm. for the people who do the races. And you're helping the race brand, you're helping all those other people. And it, it's just, it's really cool to see your work and what you've done uh, make the people smile. Because, I mean, you know, people come to you and, oh, I had such a blast, such, such a blast at this race. And you got to feel good because you were part of putting that together, whether they know you put that together or not. I mean, you know, anytime you volunteer, you know, I'd say a lot of people, not everybody, they're not doing it for themselves, for the glory of it, for like, oh, yeah, I put this rig together, or I dug this ditch. No, they do it because they love the brand, they love the sport, and they want to see it grow. And it's a personal satisfaction just to be there and do something for somebody like that. I mean, nobody, nobody's winning any awards for being volunteer of the year or volunteer of, uh, you know, you don't get paid, you just put some effort into it. Hey, hey, hey. There have been awards for oh, is there? volunteer of the year. Oh, wait. Tough Mudder does. Been. Tough Mudder does that, right? Um, yeah, and then when Mud Run Guide had their year-end awards. Oh, that's right. They I had apologize. a category for best for... volunteer. But because OCRWC has a way of getting pros to volunteer, mm. it has been given to pros because they are the ones that people remember out on course. You're right. I apologize. I'll take that back. <laughs> but I am not, as much as I would love to be, you know, at the rig at Savage saying, you see this water? You see how clean it is? There's no garbage? Yeah, that's all me. It was absolutely disgusting before I got <laughs> all of the garbage out. You know, I don't need to be like that. No, it's not, it's not, it's not what it's about. I just like to be there and help out any way I can. That's it. It's all about helping. It really, it really is. So let me ask you, after all the volunteer and everything's done on Friday, you get to race on Saturday. How did that go for you? Because you said you had a good time. But how good of a time did you have? That was the most fun Savage race I've ever ran. I love that venue. I think it is incredible. While, yeah, it's flat, yeah. the terrain is very technical. Yeah, it is. And you have to watch where you're going every step of the way. Yeah, there's some tricky sections in there that you're just like, first off, it says Pocono. Basically, for those of you who don't know, the Savage Race is in an area of Pennsylvania, eastern Pennsylvania, called the Pocono Mountains. And you're like, man, that means it's probably going to be like Palmerton. No, it's not. It's actually on this flat piece of property at a paintball course. And... Yeah, there's a little ups and downs, and there's creeks and stuff, but there's no mountains. There's no real hills, and you're ripping through the woods uh, on some very tricky, very technical terrain, some man-made. But, yeah, it's a it's a fun event at a fun location, um, and, yeah, it's it's a little deceiving because of where you're going, but it's, it's an awesome, awesome event, awesome location. I haven't been to their Savage Maryland, but I heard Savage Maryland's good. But if this compares to Savage Maryland, this is this is just awesome. This is a really awesome event. It's a good chance. Oh. Like the Savage Maryland venue, personally. I've never been there. Yeah, I've never been there, so I don't know. I heard it's muddy. That's the only thing I've ever heard. It's it's awesome muddy. Yeah. It's flat. A lot of open field running, and I'm not a big fan of open field running. What I mm. loved about the Savage PA venue, though, is because it's a paintballing field or venue the open fields that they do have they have all of these different like 
I don't know, are they playgrounds or game boards or Yeah, that's the that's kind of a <laughs> it's I, I guess I don't know. It's like you go play a video game like a first. I'm not a video game guy, like a, a shooter video game, <laughs> and you got like all these things you could like tuck yourself behind and shoot, and you're going through this areas where there's like these fake castles and uh, nets, and it's kind of like a war zone kind of thing set up there. So there's a lot of this weird terrain that you go to, and even some of the trees up there that they have, like regular trees that grow up in the Poconos, it's kind of a strange setup. So like if there's anything, you don't really run through one of these courses at any of the other obstacle races, at least in the Northeast and the East Coast. You might go to like an off-road park, but this has a different feel to it because of the man-made obstacles that they use for the paintball. So you're running through, you have containers that they have on there. You're going through like what they call the jacks, which are like those like kind of spiky things you see from like war movies. So it, it's kind of like you just find some different stuff all throughout the course that you're not expecting at a regular obstacle course. I loved it. It felt like a real obstacle course race. And I'm not talking like authentic obstacle course race, and I think Killington. But if I'm thinking like sure. a game, like a video game obstacle course race, that's exactly what I'm envisioning. And the fact that we had to like go in and out of shipping containers, and then there was a, right before the rig, mm -hmm. we had to go up these steps. And it was like a bridge that you would see at Spartan, but with shipping containers. And you had to run through it and then run back down. And I'm like, yeah. this is amazing. It's so much more than just technical terrain and your standard savage obstacles. Yeah, I mean, they put the obstacles that they all have in there. But the it, the place is actually, the venue is called Skirmish. And I live about an hour away from there. And everybody knows Skirmish in the area because it's pretty much the biggest, baddest paintball place you're going to go to and it, it is it's like that video game you're like if you were to go paintballing there it's like a video game you got everything that you would see in some kind of first shooter video game and it's there and then you add everything that savage brings to it, it it's just it there's so much going on even if you're not going through something you're running past something and you're like what is that what where am i it's like you're on a different, uh, a whole different area. You're not just running through an old farm. You're not just running through a stadium. No, you're running through something that's not really seen on a lot of obstacle courses. It was so incredible. And then, well, one, Savage strikes a deal with a bunch of their venues where they can leave some of their obstacles. So, like, their Colossus mm -hmm. is in there full time. I, I believe Kiss My Walls is now there. And their Kiss My Walls. Yeah, that's their full time. Somebody had told me about the wall with the rock climbing grips. And I didn't know what they meant. And as I ran up to it, I saw this massive crowd at Kiss My Walls. And I'm like, what is going on? It's just a traverse wall. And then somebody made a point and said, oh, well, there's rock climbing grips. And I took the lane that had the least amount of people in it and somebody looks at me and they said oh no that lane's the hardest um the grips are set up really weird there's one that's like turned to the side uh, nobody can get past it so like the two people in front of me they get halfway through and they fall off and I'm like okay well whatever I hop on I get across I ring the bell I take off running like I thought that was supposed to be hard and I feel really bad saying that to 
especially as we're like running past a bunch of people who have been there and like I know some people that you know attempted it five six times and they kept falling off but I thought it was like the perfect amount of challenge yeah it really was because the wall is not perfect it's not vertical it comes out at you so it's uh, uh beyond vert and then the hand holds and the rock holds on the bottom for your feet aren't like just two by fours. No, they're really, they're kind of small rock holes and they're down there and you got to really concentrate on your grip. Two, three fingers is best on some of them. And it, it, by the time you get there, unless you're the first person there, there's mud on it because you're traipsing through the mud because you're going through a lot of creeks and wet areas. There was a little bit of rain uh, earlier in the week couple days before the race so you're in the woods there's mud there's mud in certain locations so it got a little muddy and yeah it's it, it really messes you up so let's say you go to city talent or you go to spartan uh spartan on the olympus has those hand holds on the top that look for the rock holds those are like the stuff you would get on kids play sets in your backyard the ones at savage are actual hand holds from real rock climbing gyms where they're really small so there's not these big things where you could wrap your whole fingers around. No, you got to, you're fingertipping it all the way through. And if you get through first shot, awesome. I love that one. That's one of my favorite ones uh, in that event. But yeah, it's not easy, not easy at all, especially for first time. Okay. I'm going to believe you. I, <laughs> I, I didn't fall off. Um, I actually. No, I, I didn't either. I did fail kiss my walls at Boston. Um, I mean, okay. I slipped off right at the beginning in that Boston venue that, you know, that we're traipsing through cow manure. Like, I have enough reasons to say, hey, I failed it. I got back on at the start. I mean, I didn't, I made it like two before I fell off and I beat it easy then, but I didn't fail it in PA. So I'm proud of myself for that. I think I was definitely more focused. Yeah going through it in Pennsylvania, probably because I saw so many people failing. And there were people coming up behind me as I'm on the wall, pointing out all of the different ones that are challenging for them. I mean, they're not giving me tips on like how to beat it. They're just like pointed it, pointing it out like in my ear. Sure. And I'm like trying to block them out as I'm going through. And I'm like, just get me to the end. And I did have to pinch a good amount to get across. Yeah, there was. You had to concentrate. You had to concentrate. It wasn't like you were ripping across. You actually had to put some serious mental effort into some of those grips. But it was, uh, I got through. I was really happy to get through. I had to help my son through. Uh, he's not uh, as, as experienced as I am with these, these obstacles, but he had a little bit of a hard time, so I was kind of helping him get through, and he finally got through. But, yeah, it was uh, that was a good one. I, I like that one. That's really good. Now, I desperately want to talk about this, Rick. But a part of me is also saying, I want to talk about Lachey's and the future of obstacle course racing mixed in with like Ninja. Mm-hmm. I, I want to get your opinion on this. Do we give an overview on the Lachey in relation to our race and then do another episode where we actually pull in more opinions on the Lachey, talk training for the Lachey, maybe get in some people from Europe because Europe is getting a lot of Lachey's. Oh, they sure do. Yeah, we could do that. I uh, think I like that because a lot of people yeah. 
have a lot of opinions on Lachey's. And I think it is good to bring in all opinions and talk about how Lachey's are going to transform the obstacle course racing world. You're going to see, I believe, this is my opinion, I think that Lachey is definitely going to come in. I'm not sure uh, certain brands will bring it to them, but as you saw in Savage this year, even the I don't I, I only go to the Pennsylvania Savage so far. I haven't been to any other ones, but last year at Pennsylvania there was a Lachey at the end of their rig at the end of the rig that year, but this year's rig uh, that was a different animal. And if you, you didn't see the rig or you didn't see it online or anything like that, there was a pretty good gap in that Lachey, and you had to get a couple rings get to that first bar. I did not have success with it, but yeah, I saw a lot of people did have success with it. But I think after seeing what Savage did with this, and whether you made it or not, I believe it was something where people were like, okay, now I know what I got to do. Because if it's going to be here at Savage, who's to say another race somewhere down the road? Maybe not Savage or uh, Big Boys over at Spartan. Some of the other uh, mid-sized, small-sized obstacle course races they may have this. I got to start working on this. And whether you like the ninja stuff or not, I think it's going to be headed our way because, like I was talking to Aaron, a lot of the stuff that you see in Europe starting to filter into the United States, and Europe is definitely hot on this day. So Europe um, is hot in general but, right now for obstacle course racing. They have it figured out. They they really do. Lachey's are going to be here. And honestly, if you can figure out how to lachey, like if you can figure out that swing, you can get through anything. The lachey swing is going mm-hmm. to get you through any obstacle, so it's best you just learn it now. Spoiler alert, I did post a video about training for it yesterday and last week. You can also check out a video of that Savage Rig on both my Maggie BATC and the OCR Trainer Instagram if you're interested. But it was a nice six foot, like eight inch gap with a 14 inch height difference and you are jumping up. So you had to gain height as you jumped across. A couple things I want to point out about the Lachey without going too deep in down the rabbit hole of what I think is going to happen in the future. Because again, I want this to be open to the community and I want to hear everybody's opinions and I want to have a discussion on Lachey's. But Spartan will sure. never have a Lachey. I don't think that'll ever happen. But there are opportunities to Lachey in Spartan. You see them posting videos of their top pros beating Beater with a Lachey. Yes. I personally have beaten Monkey Bars, wet Monkey Bars with a Lachey. There are plenty of opportunities in Spartan Race for you to Lachey to the bell and to beat any obstacle. Same as an OCRWC yeah. last year, Sid built an obstacle where you could complete it multiple ways, and one way was to Lachey across the bars. So I do think we are going to see more Lacheying happen. Bring it. Why not? I think Savage is going to be the leader in bringing the Lacheys, but my one criticism for them is they need to keep it consistent in the sense that everybody is seeing a Lachey at least once. I'm not saying 
it always has to be in the same spot. It doesn't always have to be as wide. It doesn't always have to be, you know, traveling upwards. You can lache to the bell. You can lache to get started. But the only way we are going to continue to build stronger races and to push the brand of Savage as on the cutting edge of Ninja OCR, whatever. Yeah. The only way we're going to do that is if they keep putting a lache in somewhere. And it doesn't always have to be in the Savage rig. You can put a lache in with a battering bird or you can make some fun, you know, anchors away to lache to a bar to the bell. And that's what Savage does best. Give us these mashup of obstacles. So you don't always have to throw that lache into your Savage rig. Yeah, that was the thing with, with Savage Race this year. I mean, last year they had the Lache right at the end of uh, Savage Rig, and they, even the Savage Rig was a lot different last year than it was this year. This year was, you know, last year didn't have a water underneath it. This year you had water underneath it uh, for where the at least where the Lache was. So it, it, that kind of stuff was, you know, they changed it up. And if you're going to keep up with that and people are going to, you know, some brands are going to continue to do stuff with the Lache. That's going to be awesome because that is the next step. That's one more step uh, when it comes to doing the races. That you're going to see that in more and more obstacles. And you might see it at OCR Worlds this year, some sort of bigger, badder Lache. Yeah. So Savage is at the cutting edge of that Ninja OCR mashup. So they, I beg them to keep putting Lachey's in something. We've seen obstacle mashups with, you know, Battering Bird and whatever else at Savage. Mm -hmm. So we know they are completely open to mashing up all of their obstacles and creating new, bigger, better, whatever else. We don't need consistency. We're not asking for them to keep their rig the same, just like Spartan does. We hate that Spartan does that. So please keep changing everything up, but just give us a lache somewhere in the race so we can keep getting better. Yeah. Now, I think putting it over water was both the best and the worst thing they could do. People actually tried the lache because it was over water. Yeah. I saw a lot of people who came up to the rig and were like, well, oh, well, he landed in water. And when they saw people like just fall in, they were like, oh, okay, I'm trying it. I'm going to try it. And you're right. A lot more people tried it. But at the same time, I don't know. Some people were kind of like, oh, this looks more difficult than it actually is. My first attempt, my hand hit water on one of the rings. So as I went to the bar to the lache, I lost all momentum because I was like death gripping the bar. So I had to uh, generate my momentum again. And I ended up mm -hmm. kicking my legs too high up to the sky. And this will make a lot more sense once you peep my video on my OCR trainer page where I show you how to actually swing for a lache. But I was kicking my leg too high up to the sky. And then when I went to let go, I went straight up into the air. And then I face planted into the water and I didn't get any length on my lache at oh. all. But I was like, okay. Then I had to sit around and wait for my hands to dry. And me and a couple other girls were actually stalking some lanes. 
making sure that nobody went on them with wet hands because we all knew that it was the wetness that was getting us. Yeah, by the time I got there, because I didn't run a lead out there, I was just running, I was running with my son and one of my friends, and they're, they're not exactly speedsters, but I just kind of kept it with them. By the time we got there, there was a lot of people there, and that bar was wet, all that splashing that came up, the rings were wet, so there was a whole added, you know, whole, whole added element to that, that's trying to keep your grip going in. And you could see the people who kind of paid attention, or maybe were, you know, doing some good stuff for themselves on it. But yeah, that that kind of thing started getting wet by the time I got there, and it was just not as easy to keep that grip going. And then uh, it was a, it, it became a little more difficult as time went on. I could tell because people weren't doing as well, and it was probably people earlier in the day. Yeah. So I volunteered after the race and I stuck around and I played on the Lachey a little bit more afterwards and the only times that I was failing the Lachey was when water was splashing up or whatever else so sitting water was the one thing that was getting me each and every time but again I have the confidence to swing and to let go sure so confidence is the biggest factor in your Lachey but that also played into why I loved this rig so much. Because it was such a skill-based rig, it wasn't about technique. It wasn't just a trial and error thing. The people that stuck around and retried it had the confidence to make the lache. If people walked up to it and had no idea what they were doing or didn't think they could make it, they gave it one, maybe two tries, and then they moved along. So there was no bottlenecking, even though the pro wave didn't really have all of that high of a completion rate. I think I heard 58 bands were lost on that out of all the Yeah, areas. but, I mean, there were also a lot of bands taken at Kiss My Walls. Yes, like 33, I think. Yeah. yeah. So 33 at Kiss My Walls and at 58 at the uh, rig. So, yeah, that was a uh, – it wasn't easy. I mean, yeah. it just wasn't, and please, everything to Savage for doing stuff like that because that's the innovation uh, the sport needs when people come in. Not everybody, you know, not everybody went to Indian Mud Run. Not everybody goes to World, and so they don't see some of the innovative stuff that those types of races come out. But with Savage, is uh, more on, like, closer to the mainstream. So when those locals come up and are like, oh, we're going to try this, they see that, and they're like, wow, this is not what I expected. This is you know, I thought I only saw this on Ninja Warrior, and it was like, cool. That kind of adds that, just that, uh, I don't know, that coolness factor, that, hey, this is this is not supposed to be easy. This is not easy. And I, I, a lot of people were failing it. And it's not even like they were failing it in a miserable way. They were like, wow, I got to step up my game in training. I got to step up my game in my grip and everything. It changed a lot of people's view of how an obstacle full race how an OCR race uh, will be built in the future, especially with that. Speaking of which, did you see Daniel Gill was there from American Ninja Warrior? I heard rumblings that there was an American Ninja Warrior guy there. Yeah. I don't really watch the show. Yeah, it was pretty cool to see him there. I mean, he was there with his girl, and um, I guess he was doing pretty well, but he got hurt somewhere on the course. But, yeah, I think that, again, in itself, um, earlier in the year, I was down at Goliathon, and uh, one American Ninja Warrior, Jamie Ron, he runs that one. So that one was a little tough. 
a lot more ninja than optional course, but it was still fun. Yep. But yeah, it was cool to see some of these the the ninja warrior, some of the top brass in ninja warrior come out to some of these races. Um, he's from I think Daniel Gill's from like maybe Texas or somewhere out west. So for him to show up at an event like this actually shows that how big or how uh, you know important some of these races are. So Savage PA kind of had that little extra added to it with like somewhat of a celebrity, and at least in our you know in our industry, show up and, and, and come out and try the course. So it was really awesome to see that. I mean, you had Joe Morovsky uh, up at Worlds last year, and then you had Daniel Gill down here. So it, it's good to see these guys show up and just be like, hey, I'm going to try it. And, you know, now with staying in it, I mean, it plays right into their uh, wheelhouse of how they train and what they do on the courses that they run on. So I think this is a really good thing with the staying and how Savage put this together. Uh, it was excellent. So kudos to you guys. I fully believe if this sport is going to survive, we need to bridge the gap between Ninja and obstacle course racing. Ninja Warrior is an obstacle course. We need to be more appealing to those ninjas. And I said this to somebody who works with Spartan Kids over the weekend. We need to improve the Spartan Kids course because those ninja kids are animals. They are crushing everybody. They're fearless. Yeah. Getting kids in on ninja courses, but then also getting them into cross country at this age is going to make them crush the adult courses. They are going to be destroying everybody. They are the future of this sport. Savage is doing a great job with their kids course. Spartan needs to step their game up. Kids have monkey bars in their playground. Why are there no monkey bars on the kids course? My four-year-old nephew knocks out monkey bars like nobody's business. And he just, he just goes for it. I'm not even talking hand-to-hand. The kid is swinging from one arm in it to another. I mean, if he's doing that and he's four years old, these kids who are five, six, seven years old, you see him online, you see him all over the place. Even this year, like the kids who are running uh, American Ninja Warriors, some of the kids there, they were former American Ninja Junior, whatever race that is. They were the kids, and they're coming up. So you see those kids who show up, like at Palmerton has that, but they need something more challenging just running through rocks and running up a little bit of a, a like a wedge. They need something that's like, oh, man, I got monkey bars in the playground. I could do that here. You're right. It, they have to up their game. Right, exactly. The half mile, one mile, that's great for, you know, five and under. But sure. once they are actually of an age where they can compete, and I mean – you're competing at gymnastics at a very young age. Mm-hmm. When you can do that, you should be competing on a more challenging obstacle course. Absolutely. Barton needs something between that half mile, one mile, easy, throw a stick at a low target and grab a pancake and run course yeah. to ease them into the adult course. I'm training a couple kids right now. They're 14 and 16. Their dad is a Spartan. He runs ultras. They're getting ready for Hawaii this weekend. And I came in to train them. I set up a rope and both of them are climbing ropes. Easy. I check out their swinging and they can hang on one arm. Easy. They're both doing pull-ups. Like, you guys are beasts. They've never lifted a weight really in their life. Their dad has them running and then they've done some stuff to help build their Spartan stuff. But 
they're still new in Spartan and at most have ran like Fenway before this. That's awesome. Though. They needed something between that kids course and a regular course. And I even made the mention at the Spartan kids employee that maybe they open the stadium races up to 10, 11, 12, 13 year olds because the stadiums are in such a controlled environment. They are mm-hmm. less likely to get injured and there are eyes literally everywhere on that course. That is kids friendly. And with the stadium course, you're not, you're not running up the side of a mountain. You're not out in the woods. You're not, everything's right there. Like you said, control, but there's nothing that, uh, I mean, if you take a 12, 13 year old kid, even like some 10, 11 year old for that matter, they could pretty much tear through a, a stadium course like nobody's business. I mean, they'd be, uh, I, you know, you see these kids, like, oh, I'll run against my dad, I'll run against my mom. And that's what they do. Or they'll run against somebody older and they'll be more than happy to get in there and tear it up. And, and like, hey, the, one of the kids on the podium Indian Mud Run, I'm, what is he, 17? You know, he hardly runs at all. He doesn't really do OCR stuff at all. So, you know the potential is there for some of these little guys to come out there and shine. Because, I mean, the rings are going to be the rings. The monkey bars that we do are the same kind of monkey bars they do uh, in their playground. They're not much further apart. They can knock some of this stuff out. Give the kids a chance and see how it goes. Do a test run on a stadium race. It would be awesome. Fenway this year. Have it for like, the you know, 10 and up. That would be awesome. Had I known that obstacle course racing was going to become a thing when I was their age, I would have definitely jumped into cross country. I missed so much stuff because I was born in 1973 and in the 70s and 80s, there was nothing for us to do. I got into BMX because that was a cool rebel sport to do. It was either BMX or skateboarding and that was what I did. But there was nothing even close to what the kids have now, especially nothing close to OCR. So this is just like, I jumped into this when I was 38. And I'll tell you what, I really, like you just said, I wish this stuff was around when I was a kid. My kids do it now, and they do really well at it. I got a little nephew. He's four. He's knocking it out. He can't wait to get into a kid's course and really do some damage because I know he just loves that stuff. His mom takes him to ninja courses all the time, and he just goes out there and has a blast. And it's stuff like that where it's like, man, that's the future of our sport. If we could find a way to kind of nurture that in. I'm really kind of surprised with the popularity of American Ninja Warrior. One of the – Bigger brands, Spartan or uh, Savage or Tough Mudder, hasn't put something in like a little commercial every once in a while in there because the people who watch that are like, where could I do this? What could I do? And they don't get a chance to see it. They don't know where to go. They don't know what Spartan is. They might not know what Tough Mudder or Savage is for that matter. So it, it wouldn't hurt to throw a little commercial in there and say, hey, you like this? Well, you could do this, especially something like Spartan where you have a race in almost every state somewhere close to somebody at some given time if the kids course can get improved that is only an absolute feeding like a it's like minor league baseball it's just a feeding system for the big leagues and you know uh, you know look at hobie paul's kid paul call i mean he watched his dad do it he probably did a bunch of stuff like that he came up and he's killing it now so it's just you need that that feeder system to bring more people into the sport you know it's it's awesome if they could do that bring kids in why not Exactly. I told my clients that the best thing they can do right now is to run because they have the ability to obstacle already. Now they just need to put the running in with it. So Mm -hmm. get into cross country and 
you know, go to the ninja gym twice a week. That's all they really need to do. Because now us adults, we're trying to play catch up for everything that we missed out as a kid. So we're trying to retrain our body for the biomechanics for obstacles. We're trying to build up our aerobic base because we didn't know we were ever going to have to run. Running was boring. They made us go run a mile. We all died and we're like, never again. <laughs> no, I didn't. I did not start running until I was 38 years old. I mean, I was on a bike. I was on a bike from the time I was seven years old to the time I was about 30, yeah, 38, because that's when the whole big transition for me started. But man, I'll tell you what, you're right. It's just if you can get these kids running, get them a little bit of ninja, running ninja back and forth training, everything. They can knock out every single one of the brands and just do it. Anything from Savage to Spartan, coming out the world to Indian Mud Run, all like front line. All those crazy ones out Midwest, they can knock them out. It's just a little bit of training. And plus, at those ages, that's when they're fearless because they bounce. They recover exactly. quickly. They recover from the training of running. They cover from, like, getting a little bruised up and beat up. I mean, next year, I'll be 50 years old, and I'm learning the hard way. It takes a little more time to heal up from some of these races. I mean, back-to-back -back weekends and races are kind of tough. I can't wait to go to uh, Worlds and go back-to-back -back days of racing. But I'll tell you, if you could get your kids into this now, please get them into it. This is an awesome sport to be part of. 100%. Ninja kids are going to save our sport. I will put Absolutely. money on that. That is the hill I die on. We need more for the ninja kids to feed them into the adult courses as soon as we can. Absolutely. But with talking to the employees at Spartan over the weekend. I also talked to somebody who, quote unquote, called themselves Joe's intern. And uh -huh. guys, if you ha are in the Northeast Spartan page, or at this point, if you are in anything Spartan, you've probably seen the mumblings of no swim at Killington. Breaks my heart. Oh, I freaked out as soon as she said this she was talking at the info tent so in the exit where the merch is and everything else they also have a little table where you can buy future races and me a couple street team members were standing there talking to people this was the last northeast spartan race before killington so people were coming up they're like oh i'm running killington blah 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 we're talking, and a bunch of us have had experience at Killington, so we're talking about what Killington is like, and I made a mention. I said, yeah, so with Killington, you're gonna, it's going to be a lot of elevation, probably between four and 5,000 feet of gain. You're going to go up the mountain. You're going to come down the mountain. Eventually, they're going to send you down to a lower segment of the mountain where you will then go in the water and swim, forewarning them. Everybody cramps in the swim. It's because of how cold the water is mixed with how much uh -huh. climbing and descending you're doing. Like, be prepared. You will cramp in the swim. And this girl comes in and she's like, oh, there's no swim at Killington this year. Oh. And this is at the exit tent where pe you're trying to sell people on future races. I was helping out as an SGX coach. Mm -hmm. And... She said this, I'm like, 
I know full well if you work for Spartan, they have non-disclosure agreements. Like, that's the first thing you sign when you walk in the door. So I'm like, wait, what? She's like, yeah, no swim at Killington. There's not going to be a swim at Tahoe. West Virginia is the only venue that's going to have a swim. And I'm like, that's insane. Like, Killington swim and the Tarzan swing, that is a signature obstacle. People go there for that. And all of us that are sitting there hearing this, we're all kind of dumbfounded and talking about it. And we're like, we're really upset right now. There's no reason. There shouldn't be a swim. And then she goes on and says, well, they're getting rid of it at Tahoe as well. And I said, well, Tahoe makes sense because everybody gets hypothermia up there. It's just too much of uh, medical liability. She's like, oh, no, it's not because of that. They just don't want to have to pay for the staffing or something along the lines of paying for staffing. And she's like, that's why they're getting rid of it at Killington and Tahoe. And I'm like, Uh, that doesn't make sense at all. No. And then she made a comment about, well, Joe's here. If you don't like it, you can go talk to him. So me putting my thinking cap on and knowing full (laughs) well, you just ran at Palmerton. Yep. Where last year they got rid of the double black diamond sandbag carry, but this year they brought it back. Correct. Me thinking, well... This chick's not my best friend. (laughs) She is telling it to the entire world in the info tent. So I'm going to post it on Spartan, on the Northeast Spartans. And then the comments started rolling in. Supposedly, it's because of the cost of staffing. It's not because of construction. You know, whatever it is, I can't speak exactly to what it is, so... We're just going to go and say, from what we heard, there's not going to be a swim. Well, let's face facts. That's probably, that's probably a really lame excuse. Whether it's staffing, the, uh, the lodge that they're building is well up the hill. So I don't think it has anything to do with that because that section where that, that pond, lake, whatever you want to call it, is, uh, and that bridge is in a pretty good area between a couple of buildings, a couple of the lodging and the hotel suites and everything. And if, for those of you who don't know, we're listening, look this up. There's no, I mean, look, there are races who have some crazy stuff. We just talked about the Lich Gang and the Savage Rig. There are signature obstacles at certain events. This, besides the Death March, is probably the top two signature obstacles at Killington. And it is like nothing else at any other race because you have to swim out, climb a ladder, go through about, what, five, six, maybe eight Tarzan ropes, ring a bell, and fall into the water. You have to put a life preserver on because you're going in some deep water. It is what looks like chaos, but it's actually a really cool, almost like a team building, you're trusting other people to help you kind of obstacle. And you go through it, and you're just like, man, that was one of the craziest things I ever did. Because not only are you going through this obstacle, you're underneath a bridge and there are people above you cheering you on. They're looking down upon you. And there are people everywhere, in the water, out of the water, on the bridge, on the shore, yelling, screaming. It's probably one of the coolest overall visual, physical, demanding uh, skill sets. Just, it doesn't matter if you swim around, you got a life preserver on, you float out there, you're hanging out there for a while. It might suck the life out of you. It might uh, cramp you up. 
But when you're done with it, and if you do hit that bell some way, shape, and form, which I have multiple times, it is probably one of the best feelings when you hit that bell and you're falling down into the water and you make that splash. It's like just awesome. Swim back to shore, giving your life preserver. You got that extra energy because you're all pumped up, that adrenaline's kicking. It's awesome. Probably one of the best events. Probably one of the best things Spartan ever does. At the hardest race, make one of the hardest, most epic obstacles right there. I've never been to Tahoe. I know Tahoe's got a lot of cool stuff, including Apanger and a few other things. But that at Killington is one of the greatest things you'll see in OCR racing. It is my anywhere. favorite Spartan obstacle of all times. And I will say I've been, I've been to Tahoe Absolutely. and I've... I have had this argument with people before where, you know, West Coast Spartans are talking about the Tahoe Ape Hanger, whatever else. Tahoe Ape Hanger and Palmerton Ape Hanger are not the same thing. They they bring you like a no, pool not at all. and then they have you get into the pool and then walk out to the rope, swing across, drop back into the rope and climb out of the pool. It's not the same as actually walking into this little pond and doing a panger. It's just not the same kind of vibe and feel, but I digress. The Killington Tarzan swing, hands down the best obstacle. And what I love most about the entire atmosphere of Killington is every year they played around with different pictures. They always wanted to get some kind of picture at the swim. My first year, they had photographers in boats, and I have I have a series of pictures. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Going across the ape or the Tarzan swing, they didn't get it from the front; they got it from the back, so it wasn't the best pictures. But I have pictures of me swinging out and hitting the bell and dropping back in. It was amazing. Then the following year, they had a photographer as we were coming out of the water. And then either you went on your penalty loop or you didn't. The year after, they had a penalty loop swim in the water. So you couldn't be out of the water if you were in age group or elite. You, you had to go into the water and you had to complete the swim. And then if you beat Tarzan swing, you got a picture coming out of the water. The people who did the penalty loop did not get a picture because they did not <laughs> exit the water near where the photographer was. And I thought that was genius. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I guess that's a little bit of like shaming, haha, you didn't finish the obstacle. But like, if you fall on the multi-rig or the monkey bars, you're not really getting a picture anyways. Nope. So it's an added sense of pride. Like, here is my picture coming out of the water after I hit the Tarzan swing. And you know... Every time I've gotten a picture coming out of the water after Tarzan swing, I am running out of that water because I am mm -hmm. so hyped up. Yeah, that, that's one of the that's one of the great things about that. It's you could get all the pictures you want under barbed wire. You get them on the monkey bars. You get them on any rig, any uh, whatever obstacle they got on land. When you get your picture hitting that belt, uh, uh, Tarzan swing at Killington. That's like nothing else because there's nowhere else you could do that. There's nowhere. You're not going to get that at Palmerton. You're not going to get that at Tahoe. You're not going to get that somewhere in North Carolina or uh, like any of the other races they have anywhere. You could only get that at Killington. And when you get that, you're like, look at this. People who don't 
know anything about Spartan Race. You're taking that to work, and you're saying, look at this. That was me doing that. They're like, you did that? I'm like, I did that. And that is just, if there's a pride like no other. Yeah, I got through monkey bars. Okay, cool. Yeah, I got through, and like even like uh, uh, all of it. Ape Hanger, that's a difficult one. That's an awesome shot, too. But Tarzan's going, nothing like it. Nothing like it. Because the bridge itself is beautiful, too. Take a, if, you're, if you don't know, go look, because it, it's really cool. For those of you who know, you know. But for those of you who don't, it's, just, it's a really great-looking piece of uh, architecture you're under, too. And not just the bridge, but because of the angle you're coming out at and the camera is shooting you, you're seeing the mountains mm-hmm. in the background. You see the Death March. That's right. Maybe you're not seeing yeah. the people on the Death March because they're so tiny, but you can see the Death March <laughs> in line with that bridge. I want to actually finish my arm sleeve. And my plan originally was to get the view of Killington with the bridge and the water on my lower arm and then the mountains mm. on the upper yeah. arm. And like that is authentic Killington. It is yes. the water. It's the bridge. I mean, the people staying at the hotel love to look out their window and see these people hanging from underneath the bridge. It is, I call it... What are those maniacs doing out there? (laughs) Yeah, I call this Spartan Summer Camp because you are going out there and you are embracing the suck. You're hiking all day, but then you are out swimming and swinging across this bridge. You are doing things that, you know, I would correlate to going to a summer camp. So I pulled up a couple of these comments about what people have to say so one person, people go to Killington because it's hard AF. So unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. If you finish Killington without a swim slash Tarzan, you didn't finish Killington. That swim DNFs so many people yearly. Yeah. Terrible decision as that is the obstacle besides Death March. Times should be a lot faster this year because that is a time suck. Yeah, but at what point in time is it, it like, look... It, you're worried about time. Okay, great. I don't worry about finishing them. Because if you get through that, whether you, whether you did not, you're, if you didn't get Tarzan, you still got a ton of hard shit to go through. You just do. That's the way that race is. There's no break. You don't get a good break coming down. You might get a little break before the pond, but you really don't. There's no, like, easy way around that course. So, I don't know. Next comment. This was going to be my one time going to Killington. It's a 20-hour drive for me. Without the swim, I'm not sure it's worth the drive. I've seen attendance down at so many races this year. It makes no sense to eliminate the signature obstacle for this event. No, it doesn't. I agree. Yeah, I think people are just going to be generally really disappointed about everything that's gone on. I mean, you're taking that away. What's next? I mean, are they going to kind of uh, uh, half-ass death march? Oh, well, we're going to have a cutoff at halfway. Is that next? And that's what a lot of people are wondering, like especially with this construction. Are they going to be able to have the death march where it's located? You can't have Killington without the death march. No, especially. And even, uh, I mean, what what are all the, the supporters of the Boston Spotans going to do with all their candy and stuff they're not going to sit halfway up the mountain they're going to be at the top of the mountain that's where you got to meet all of them. imagine all of the fireball that's not going to get drank <laughs> oh my god i'll tell you what you want to talk about cool stuff that's that started a bunch of years ago with just like some one of the boston spot and moms 
up there. I call them bombs. They can be wise. You know who I'm talking about. They're up there with some little candies and stuff, giving it to people that it turned into a big event up there. Uh, that's that's another part of Killington. You don't get into too many other races. It's like just these these crazy things that happen there. I mean, it, I don't know. They gotta if there's any race, they gotta keep incredibly tough, incredibly difficult, incredibly iconic. Killington. I mean, that's where it all started. Why would you Why would you take away anything to lessen that race? It, it's a crime exactly. against exactly and. We've been seeing Spartan continue to water down their races for years. We know that the returning racers, the middle of the pack, the, you know, the season pass racers, the trifecta chasers, they are not Spartan's demographic. Spartan has come out and said it numerous times. They want to rip you off the couch. What you do once you're off the couch, they could care less. Yeah, they'd like to, for you to keep coming back out. But if it's not your first time, meh, have fun. We'll see you around. The first time racers are the ones they want to get out on that course. So they're going to continue to standardize all of their obstacles. They're going to take out the difficulty. And it is completely destroying this sport. Sure. If you put somebody, let's say here, you're going to do these five races over here, which are all partners. You're going to do these five races over here, which are like, let's say, all savage races. I can guarantee you, they're like, okay, at the end of the survey, which was a better race? Was it the one with all the same stuff that you've seen from race one to race five? Or is it going to be the one over here from race one to race five? Everything was different. Something changed. There was a different, there was a different rig. There was a different wall. There was a different jump off it. They're going to go for the one that's different because who the hell wants to see the same stuff all the time? Hey, if you want to do the same stuff all the time, Go play soccer, go play basketball, go play uh, baseball, go play football because it's the same field, same ball, it's the same competitors, it's the same rules. You go to OCR, it's like, man, what do they have now? When I started in 2011, it was like, okay, we, I started doing Tough Mudder. What's the cool stuff they're going to have this time? What crazy ash are they going to come up with this time? And that was what brought me back over and over of is the what are they going to have? What did they build? I remember Tri-State, I think it was 2013, over here in Englishtown, New Jersey, they were still building obstacles as the race was going on because they weren't done. And it was like, what the hell is this? They didn't even test them. They were like boarding stuff up. All right, let them go. And you just got down this weird chute into the mud. People were getting hurt. Everybody was like yelling, don't do this, don't do that, because a couple of people broke their ankles, seriously broke their ankles. That's the kind of stuff you look for, not the broken ankle part, but the, the crazy obstacles. You go to Spartan over and over again, you're going to be like, okay, I could have done this with a football. I could have done this with a soccer ball and the same goal and everything else. I wanted something different. Now that I've gone to 10 Spartans, I've done the same race 10 times. This is kind of boring. So I go to Savage, and then Savage is the one keeping it alive. The guys out Midwest, uh, Sid and uh, Aaron, keeping it alive, changing it up. You know, uh, I don't know. They got to do something better to keep that brand alive. I mean, I get it. Maybe it's easier for them as a, as a business standpoint, but they really got to spice it up a little bit to keep the, keep the people like us coming to them. I didn't do a lot of Spartans this year. There was one year I did, like, I think 20-something Spartans. I'm not doing 20-something Spartans again because I know it's going to be the same thing at the same place. I just ran my first Spartans of the year. Oh, it is. Um, and I do want to touch a little bit on the race itself. Um, to add to your point, I will always remember the first time I 
went to obstacle course racing world championships. It was year two at Blue Mountain. And I showed up and as everybody's talking, I don't know anybody yet. I'm hearing people saying, haha, you won't see Spartan racers here or Spartan racers don't do well here. And it was getting in my head, uh -huh. like, why wouldn't Spartan racers do good here? Like, this is an obstacle course race. Spartan's an obstacle course race. And then I realized what they meant. And I saw all of the innovation. I mean, rigs where you'd go high, low, high. You had so many different techniques that you needed to use. You had, you know, your stairways and you had Skull Valley you had all of these new and innovative um, yeah. obstacles coming out. And I'm like, okay, I have never seen anything like this ever. Hubie brought out, Hubie brought out that, uh, the floating boards and that whole last rig he had. He had that up there in Canada too, which was, I, I, when I saw that, I was like, yeah. this is awesome. I was like, this is where I want to be. And then like some of the rigs changed based on the day. Sure. I'm like, this is amazing. Like you don't get this in Spartan. Uh-uh. And to this day, we know if you predominantly run Spartan, you're not going to do, I, I can't say you won't do well. Most people who predominantly run Spartan do not do as well at a traditional obstacle course race, a mandatory obstacle completion race, uh, mm -hmm. anything that has something other than Spartan obstacles. And that is why I encourage all of my athletes, go explore, do more. Before I hit on my thoughts on the venue from this past weekend, because I do desperately want to talk about it, because I think that it is a major fuck up on Spartans. <laughs> Everything. And I'm going to read one more comment to argue for Spartan for no swim. And it says, water obstacles are one of the hardest things to get approved for an event. They have lifeguards, paramedics, and a dive crew all on standby for just that one obstacle. It's not a lot of people needed, but you need each group to have a certain number of people each day. You also have to figure out the paramedics and dive team need to plan and practice scenarios of events that could happen. And I completely understand that. I've worked on event sure. medical stuff before. It makes sense. Am I happy about it? No, but it makes sense. So right now, me as the person who broke the news, I did so because I want Spartan to prove me wrong. Spartan, make me look mm -hmm. like an idiot. I want everybody calling me out as soon as they cross that finish line at Killington saying, Megan, what happened? I thought there wasn't going to be a swim. I want there to be a swim for absolutely everybody. Please, Spartan, prove me wrong. Please, for everybody, prove me wrong. Please. I'll be, yeah. Now, I know you did not show up to New England this weekend, and I applaud you for that because it was not worth the drive. One of my besties did, and he pretty much said the same thing. You didn't miss anything. So, what have you heard about this venue? Uh, kind of lame, flat. Is that a the uh, Loudon, New Hampshire NASCAR racetrack? Um, and it's almost like they really didn't put too much effort into it. So, I got there on Friday to teach the obstacle specialist course. I was at the obstacle specialist course there last year, 
And then I helped out as an XGX coach last year. So I didn't run it, but I ran Tough Mudder here. And at Tough Mudder last year, they found a lot of phenomenal terrain on the conservation trails that they were allowed to run. And then they put the obstacles in the open fields. And then you went back into the terrain and ran mm -hmm. through the trails. Now, when I got there on Friday, the venue was pretty much all set up. They just needed to, you know, finish setting up a few things in the festival area. But, like, the course was done. It was marked. Everything. Which is unheard of. They usually never finish a course that far in advance. The festival area had nothing. There was a taco truck that didn't open until after noon. Like, a little later in the afternoon. So, most people are already done. They're hungry. They're having to oh. eat from the ice cream truck while they drink their Mike's Hard Seltzer. Ooh, there's something you always want. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was all they had in the festival area. Yeah, nothing, nothing says I finished a race like a Mike Hard yeah, Seltzer. That was literally all they had. You couldn't even find water in the festival area. Yeah, BYOB of anything for that. Yeah. Part. But that wasn't the biggest problem. It was the course itself. So if anybody is not familiar with the New Hampshire Motor Speedway, it is in the Lakes region of New Hampshire. The Lakes region is about an hour or so south of the White Mountains. And it is very close to Lake Winnipesaukee, Gunstock, the Belknaps. Um, it is in a hilly mountainous region. New Hampshire Motor Speedway is the opposite of mountains. It is flat <laughs> as a pancake. It is so flat that people just got bored. I talked to so many people who said, oh my gosh, starting out, I just, that I, it was so flat. I couldn't run. I couldn't breathe. It was just too fast. And there was nothing. The scenery was nothing. You're running through these open fields that they use for parking for NASCAR races. Oh. They have porta potties everywhere because they had a NASCAR race a couple weeks ago. It is nothing but open field running. They found maybe two small segments where you're in the trails, but then it's all exposed open fields, no shade to be found. Lame. Really. Again, we're, I'm talking to Joe's intern, and she is talking about the race and whatever else, and me and a couple other people who are from the area were talking about what they could do to improve it. I said, so many people are running this as the last race before Killington. They are missing the mark. This should be at Gunstock Mountain. Gunstock Mountain is struggling right now. They have a mm -hmm. campground on site. I camped at Gunstock all weekend. It is just across a bridge from the actual ski mountain. I have clients that run at Gunstock Mountain for training. It is a phenomenal venue. It has a ski lodge with a restaurant that's open year round. They also have, you know, ropes courses and all of this other adventure stuff. They could set up an actual party there. You know, families can oh. go there. 
and the kids can go on, you know, the adventure course or they can go swimming while dad or mom or whoever is running the race. And then they go into the festival area or they're all camping out at Gunstock in between race days. And it's just this giant Spartan party. Like, why are we not over at Gunstock? Why are we not at a mountain in New Hampshire? So Joe's intern says, oh, well, they decided that they don't have any intermediate courses in the Northeast. Everything's just... Intermediate courses? She said, everything's just too difficult. Bethel is... Supposedly Bethel's flat. Bethel is... Okay, there's a slight rolling hill. Uh, But you think, again... You're in New York, you're, you're driving up there, and you're driving through mountains to get to Bethel. And I'm sure you drove through plenty of mountains to get to Loudoun, New Hampshire. And then you get there, and it's like, ugh. That's, it's, that's kind of a, that's, it kills you. I, see, they mailed it in. Spartan absolutely mailed it in. They're just like, uh, call up the racetrack, see if they would do it. We could get over there. That's probably how it was. Oh, yeah, come on up. We got nothing going on that weekend. Okay, cool, we're there guarantee you they put very little effort into really researching places to go. You would think at this point in Spartan's history, in Spartan's development, the business plans and everything, that they would have people who know where these venues are, like Dunstock, right? I didn't ever, I've never heard of it. I, uh, I'm not familiar with uh, New Hampshire. But who needs an intermediate course? You want something difficult. You want something, Gunstock, I'm sure it's not as big as Killington. You could, like, you know, Cut it. Like, look at remember Tuxedo. That was an awesome intermediate mountain course. Why didn't they just do that? You know, but they lose they lose interest and they don't do it, or somebody pissed somebody off and they don't want them back. But this, it's like I get. Look, you can't have everything. Can't be Killington and Tahoe and Palmerton. I get it. But everything I've heard from this race is that they mailed it in. They just were like, ah, just go there and threw a race in there really quick and said, let's just wing it and see what happens. And of course, nobody's happy. It's like, what happened? Here we go again. You know, it's like, oh, our new new obstacle is the, whatever the hell they call it, that, that cage thing. Oh, that, that mailed it in. I, I, Spartan's got to get on their, get on the horse and really start going again because they're just not. They're just letting things slide and it's hurting them. It's hurting the brand. It's hurting the image. This was proof. My friend, he's, uh, my friend Pam, he's about 53 years old. He's not an elite runner. He just he does it for fun and he loves every place we go. He loves Savage. He loves City. He loves uh, Killington. He's so pumped for Killington. Um, but it's like he gets there and he's like, oh, my God, this is the lamest thing. And when you hear that from someone who's like kind of, you know, middle, middle of the pack, going easy, nothing hard, not going in there for like points or, you know, killing it, getting podiums. He doesn't care. He's just there to do it. When somebody like that says, that's ah, kind of lame, then you know you got a problem. Because they've seen better. They know better. And they could feel that Spartan should be able to do better. You were there. You're saying the same thing. You're an elite runner. I mean, it's kind of a shame that they just let this one fly by. So, definitely not elite. At least not in Spartan. Because I'm not nowhere near fast enough. I did not have good weekends of races. You, you're amazing. Um, you don't like to sell yourself to it. My legs didn't want to work. And that's no excuse. Um, I had no motivation for this either. But... For you as somebody who is into motorbikes of sorts, have you heard of the New Hampshire Bike Week? It wasn't, but I've heard of it. I'm, on a, I'm more of a pedal guy, but yeah, I, I, 
There's definitely motor. Yeah, there's, I know there's a big motorcycle thing up. There. Yeah. So um, Bike Week is in the same region as Gunstock. It's Lake Winnipesaukee. It's a very big tourist destination. Yeah, I, de I definitely know that area. So that Gunstock is not too far off of Lake Winnipesaukee. You literally just um, drive like five, ten minutes from the lake through some winding roads, and you're at Gunstock Mountain. So it's like a great getaway for everybody. In terms of easy races in the Northeast, don't tell me we don't have easy races in the Northeast. We have three stadion races, four if you include Washington, D.C. I don't. Yep. But we have the Philly very Stadium, easy, we have City Field, we have Fenway Park. Those are perfect beginner races. There is no reason, no reason a month before Killington, you are giving people a sprint get on the flattest course you could ever imagine. I know plenty of people who skipped this race. They live in Boston. They live in New England. They're preparing for Killington. They said it is more beneficial for me to spend my weekend out running up mountains, getting in my hill work, than it is to go and do some of the same obstacles that I'll see at Killington. I am more likely going to DNF Killington because of the climbing than I am because of the obstacles. So why the hell are you giving us a flat course a month before Killington? The people that are running out in New Hampshire Motor Speedway are not the same people that are like, oh, sign me up for Killington. I heard we're going to have 5,000 feet of elevation with death marches and double black diamonds. Like, they're thinking, oh, Spartan Race, it's a fun run, and it's completely flat out in open fields. La-di-da. Yeah. Like any other, like, I'll, I'll kind of say this because uh, you, wanna, you don't want to have every race to be on the side of a ski mountain. And you want to throw one of these in, but uh, everything I've heard about this race is that it's just kind of like, all right, whatever, we'll just put it here. There was no real thought put into it. Um, so for for that, it kind of sucks. I get it. Hey, listen, if you, easy races are definitely in stadiums. Stadiums are awesome. I love them. I don't want to say they're easy, but they're a fun or a good fun race. If you're not into the whole mud, get dirty things. Yeah, yeah, they are. There's nothing. There's nothing over the top. There's no over the top obstacles. You do a lot of steps. That's pretty much the, the the biggest thing. And you get to run around a stadium, which is kind of neat. Beginner races, though. Um, so there's really nothing crazy. But um, you know, I, I I'll I will say that it is kind of good that they do. Spartan does kind of spice. You know, uh, spice is the wrong word. Change it up with a flat course here, mountain course here, flat course here. But um, especially right in New England, you're expecting something with a little bit of elevation, maybe put some rolling hills in it. If you don't have that, it kind of takes away a lot of what obstacle racing is. You want a hill. You want a little bit of a mountain. I mean, like uh, Tuxedo, a little bit of mountain. West Point had a little bit of mountain. Um, the old Boston course, which was out in that uh, dairy farm, that had hills too. Even if it's like a, a quick up and down. It through doesn't. A, you know, it, it's just something, just something. But you can't just throw something together last minute and expect people to be thrilled about running around parking lots. You know, that's not what you're there for. That's the crazy thing though. They've had this venue secured for a while. They, they were out there last year. My favorite Boston venue was um, Treasure Valley, the Boy Scout 
camp. They only had sprints out there. It was a sprint sprint weekend and it had rolling hills. It wasn't anything too crazy, but it was all rustic, mm -hmm. like technical terrain. There wasn't a lot of open areas. The only open areas were like where they actually had cabins set up for the Boy Scouts. It was such an incredible venue, but the best part is it was in May. If you want to have flat courses in New England, put it earlier in the year when people aren't thinking sure. Killington. You know, the Northeast would love more races. If you want to put another Boston weekend on the books, put it earlier in the year. Give us our flat courses. Give us a super a sprint on flat courses. That's fine. Then find us something with a little bit more hills as we ramp up to Killington. This is how you create mm -hmm. a sport. You build a schedule that is going to filter in to your bigger races. I mean, I'm not saying let's go hike up to the top of Gunstock Mountain, but if you want to put a race at the base of Gunstock Mountain and go a little bit up the hills and a little bit back down, they have some great trails along that entire Gunstock recreation area. They don't just have to use the mountain but the mountain is right there you can get a little bit more hills involved i went running for like all of 20 minutes off the mountain and i was still getting some good hills my camping site was on a hill that wasn't the mountain so plan it out where we can still get more hills the month before killington don't give us this oh well we need a flat venue there are plenty of other times in the year. Yeah, I, I like the way you said that because beginning of the year, you start, it's kind of like a warm-up period. You get, you know, especially for us up here in the Northeast, I mean, you know, a majority of the country in the South, they can just run all year round and it's pretty good. But up here, we go through those winters, we kind of get a little rusty. So you start with maybe a little flat course, a little easier stuff, and you build up. And really, for us here, uh, I mean, the build-up uh, in the Northeast past couple of years has been – uh, OCR World Championship or Killington, and you know some people do both, some people do do one of them, but that is a huge buildup because you know it's on a big mountain, you know it's going to be really tough, and you build up through the year. If you're going to like taper up to that or build up to that, and then all of a sudden you're right before it, a couple weeks before it, you're on a flat course, it kind of takes a lot away from uh, what you're doing. The best training for OCR racing is really OCR racing on top of whatever else you're doing during the week. But yeah, it, it, you can't just jump into one and be like, oh, it takes, it, it takes a little bit out of you. The, the, the true middle of the Packers, the people who really care about what they're doing, that takes a, that takes a lot out of you because you, you, you get built up. It's a mental thing. It's a physical thing. And it just takes a lot out of you when you just, it, it, when, when the course doesn't take a lot out of you, for some way it does take a lot out of you. You know, it's just, it, it, it ruins a lot of what you're building up to. And let's be honest. Barton created a trifecta to build up Correct. to the beast. And then you have, after that, you go into the ultra. I mean, you look at all of these old school Spartan pictures where they have the hierarchy mm -hmm. of races and how you're supposed to work your way up. Why are you not working your way up in the types of courses as well? Yeah, if you're going to do a super, it's got to be a little harder than doing a flat course got to be more cool. exactly you want to do a sprint do a sprint do an easy early year sprint do it on a flat course awesome but if you're going to build up to a late year or like a, a mid to late year uh super you want to have something a lot more challenging than a bunch of parking lots for a bunch of nascar fans 
we need more. Did you actually was it was the uh, did you get actually on the, was there anything like on the actual race course itself? I don't know. I wasn't there. But uh, was there anything like on the race course itself? Did you run on the track? Did you run on the infield or anything? No, they had um, seven different events planned out at the racetrack minus Spartan weekend. So they overbooked everything. And <laughs> like we, we didn't, I know at what, like the Michigan Speedway or whatever, like they've historically yeah, gone yeah. on the track. They've gone through the stands. They didn't do any of that. It was literally just open field running, some pavement running, some gravel road running. It was so boring. Those are the same same obstacles. They didn't they didn't they didn't throw anything different, right? They just kind of kept it cookie cutter. Everything else. We all got excited because they listed Beater as a sprint obstacle. They had Beater set up in the final gauntlet. It was gonna go monkey bars, bucket carry, Beater, a frame rope climb, multi rig slip wall fire, and this all was relatively close. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, swing across monkey boots, we grab sure. the bucket, and we get to where Beater was the day before, they took it down. There's, I, I noticed it as I was getting to the bucket carry on oh, the sprint, and there's on. a staffer in the blue shirt. And I said, hey, where did Beater go? It was listed on the sprint. Oh, yeah, that was our mistake. Beater's not a sprint obstacle. I said, you could have left it on. Like, one, Beater this past weekend was super easy, but... Two, like this course itself is so easy. You need something to give us life. Like for me, I my running was nowhere near where I wanted it to be. I could have used obstacles because I mean I pass people at obstacles. That's just what I do. So I was banking on having beater there. Yeah, and it was gone. They didn't even attempt to like rectify it or anything else. Like if you put it on the map, even if it's your mistake, okay, market research, we're testing it out on a sprint now. Let's see how people do. Let's see the reaction. Split it up. You know, like you could you could build a you could build that rig next to the standard you could build a beater next to a standard monkey bars and no one would know the difference. And you or I or people who are like, oh, Let's try that. Maybe they have never seen it. Maybe they never uh, experienced it. On a sprint, more people will be excited with the mistake of leaving the beater in there than they would be coming up to another set of monkey bars. And, you know, the same way I said I'm proud of Sid for not blaming it on the weather or using, like, some mm-hmm. plain excuse about why they had to cancel yeah. that wasn't accurate. Spartan could have easily let it go and not admitted to a mistake and just said oh well we wanted to test it out we wanted to give us something something more you know let's see how it does in a sprint we're thinking about adding it to sprints in the future oh what a great opportunity and they just let let it just squandered it away like right way to go right now spartan the community needs a sign of good faith we need a sign that you're not just watering everything down we want to see more innovation. We want to see more difficulty on courses. We're over these standardized obstacles, these standardized distances. We want something that is going to continue to challenge us regardless of what our level is. 
you still get elite and age group racers running sprints that have been running since the Amesbury, you know, 2011 days. Absolutely. Yeah. We've been around for so long. We need to be entertained as well. It, you know what? That's a great way of putting it because here, this is the way I see it. You're running through, you go to, okay, Savage, perfect example. You're running through this course, something's different, you get up to it. And, you're, and if you need to stop and maybe spend about 20 seconds looking at a rig going, let me figure this out. That's awesome. So what? 20 seconds off your time. Who cares? But you figure it out. When you're at Spartan, you're like, I got it. Rip through it, and you're done. There's no, there's no again, entertainment value, not there. The uh, What you go there for, it's just that, 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 man, that's new, that's different. There's something exciting about it. You want something where it's going to challenge you that you haven't seen before, where you have to think about it. Part of what we do is a lot of mental, like, okay, if I grab that ring first and I grab the ropes and I then grab this and then I do this and I use my legs here, do this, that's what you want. You know, you want to think about it. You just don't want to sit there and go, I oh, got it, boom, 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 three grips through the monkey bars and you're out, you hit the bell, you run. You don't want that. You want something where you're like, you know, those are good. I'm not saying monkey bars are the worst. Monkey bars are fun. Everybody knows that. But you want to come up with something like, oh, wait, something's different here. Let me think about this for a second. Okay, I got it. You just don't want to keep running into it. And you're like, if you could fall asleep on the monkey bars, both you and I have been through those monkey bars a thousand times, it feels like. You're you're like, okay, that's great. It's no big deal. Let's go. You know, it's just, it's, I hate to say the word boring, but if you're on the monkey bars and you're like sitting there going, yeah, I've been through this before. It's no big deal. That's not what you want. You want something a little different. Beater was a great idea. There's no reason why they don't put beater in sprint. It's not the world's most difficult obstacle. It spices up monkey bars. That's basically what it does. People at Palmerton were getting through it no problem right before Apanger. Always awesome to see that. But it's like, come on. You know, you could have kept that in the sprint just to spice it up a little bit, to be like the, the kind of a wild card type obstacle, you know? And that's what you want. You want a wild card obstacle, especially in the sprint. Sprint is as cookie cutter as it gets. In 2017, when Twister and Olympus were introduced, mm -hmm. I beat them for the first time on the sprint at Treasure Valley. I still remember my first time beating twister it was a three segment twister yep i was segments. coming down the hill we went up and over the bridge and as i was coming over the bridge dropkick murphy started playing and i was like how about it damn it i am going to beat this I'm like this is my boyfriend i am about to beat this as he's singing <laughs> to me and sure as shit i beat it and now yeah. a three segment twister is only seen in a beast we saw that in sprints. Yeah. You know, in yeah. the sprint Olympus, it didn't have balls on the end of their chains. It had sprint. I was looking at a video from, like, France or somewhere in Europe where a girl was beating Olympus. I couldn't tell what the wall was made out of, if it's this shitty surface we have right now. It was only three segments long. It's just baffling to me how much they are watering this stuff down. And at this point, like I know they keep saying their demographic is new age group racers. I've seen plenty of comments from other race directors saying the new racers are what keep the lights on. But I concur because 
your returning racers are the ones that are shelling out a shit ton of money to come back race after mm-hmm. race after race. And you know, the more somebody comes back, the more their family and friends see them doing it. They start to spectate. Yep. And then they're like, oh, well, I want to give that a try. And then they get hooked. And mm-hmm. then they get their friends involved. So yep. those middle-of-the-pack racers, those age group racers, they are your best ambassador. And they're not doing it for anything other than the love of the sport. But watering all of this stuff down is taking that love out of it for them. They are bored and they're moving on to something else, whether it's a different race brand or if it's a different sport altogether. Neglecting to pay attention to what we need in the middle of the pack is going to hurt the sport in the long run. Give us something that keeps us coming back and we will keep bringing people with us. Keep us guessing. Please keep us guessing. You go to a race, you you look at a schedule, you look at a Spartan schedule, you know what you're getting. Savage, you don't know what you're getting. Any of these other races you go, like your one-offs, like Frontline, uh, you know, Abominable Snow Race, and, and some of these other events, you don't know what you're getting. That's where, that's why those are successful. And Spartans just kind of like, uh, you know. But, yeah, well, hopefully we'll see what's going on. I mean, we could, uh, next episode we do, maybe we do a little Future of the Sport, some Euro stuff coming over to the United States, which we're seeing little by little creep over, you know. But hopefully, uh, I've talked to Aaron. I've talked to Sid. Aaron is like, yeah, man, I see what the Europeans are doing. They just do it differently. It's more about the obstacle, about the running. There's not as much running. I mean, there's uh, how many times have you gone to, and it's not, we, we rip into Spartan plenty on this show, but uh, a handful of the other races, you do a lot of just great running for like long periods of time with no obstacle. I've joked around, hey, this would be a great place for an obstacle, but there's nothing there. So, you know, it's stuff like that that kind of a little bit. That's why this past weekend was even worse because they had such low volunteer <laughs> numbers. They had to kind of sandwich all of the obstacles into a couple of areas. So then because yeah. it was also hot and it's all open exposed running, they needed to make sure that there was an area where volunteers could come and like seek shade if they needed to or whatever else. So they put the obstacles in a very close location and then you would have these giant open miles of running yeah that's not right gotta put something in there I mean, like, oh, we went we went out to indian mud run it's not it's they had little walls and little barriers set up in the middle of nowhere do something like that make it a little bit like oh just a little wall because sometimes that little wall makes a huge difference in how you feel out there breaks up the monotony of doing a mile run with nothing. Like coming down the back end of Palmerton, you're just running and running and running down this hill. Put something in the middle of the hill. Like seriously, you mean to tell me you can't put a couple of hay bales to jump over? You can't put like some kind of like, you know, Irish table or Viking table, whatever you want to call it, just to stop you from like pretty much barreling down and destroying your knees on the backside of Palmerton? I mean, do something like that. That would make it different. That would make it better. I, that that bothers the hell out of me. You're running for like a good, just whether it's uphill or downhill, and you're just going or middle of the field or the middle of the woods. Woods are actually different. That's a little more technical. But when you're just rucking down the back end of a mountain, you're like something's got to come up. Like where is? I, I don't care if you put like a, a net in there to crawl under or just something. Just break it up. 
There's a reason we call it obstacle course racing because you need obstacles. You don't need like a five-mile run between them because that's where you lose, you lose the, 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 the momentum in your, in your brain. Mindless running is not what this sport's about. You want to do mindless running, go run a marathon. Go pace yourself for 26 miles of just running. Just running. That's awesome. But you want to do obstacle course racing, put an obstacle in the course. You know? Yeah, it's got to be something better. Like, you know, 106 obstacles out in Indian mud run was awesome. 20-something obstacles was kind of, especially when they're all packed up towards the end. Make obstacles great again. Keep obstacles in obstacle course racing. (laughs) There you go. But no. Hey, Aaron, if, when, I don't know. If you're listening to this, I am all here for this European style of less running and more obstacling. So let's do that. I'm with you. Yes. If I want to run, I'll do a marathon. There's plenty of those. Plenty of 10Ks, 5Ks. You know, fantastic. I'll do them all. I'll do them all the time, too. But when you go to an obstacle course race, uh, I, look, we, we know what's good. We know what these guys are capable of doing, and, and it's fun. Hey, you got to put running in it. We get it. But, man, when it's coming down to those long ones, man, put an obstacle, two, three, something in there, because that's what makes it important. So, Aaron, I know I, I love Aaron and Dana. Uh, Sid, all of them out there, they, they do some really good stuff. And I think we'll talk about this another time, but they are the future of the sport. The future of the sport is definitely coming in from Europe. Those of you who don't follow anything in Europe with OCR, follow some of them races. You want to see some badass shit, you follow those. Those are the, I would love to go to Europe for a good couple months and just run those things and just get through that because those look fun as anything. Also, they are the ones that are actually figuring out how to keep social media in OCR alive. They're the only ones that actually know how to video their obstacles properly. So it like <laughs> keeps you watching their reels. So everybody who is listening to this, if you're looking for more impressions in your Instagram and TikTok game, we need better obstacle videos. Make us actually like... Yeah see them up close and follow along with you. That is exactly what Europe is doing. And I am all here for that as well. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Along all of these same lines, before we wrap things up, since we are saying, you know, keep the running less, the obstacles more, can we also ask Aaron said everybody else at OCRWC, can we please see a better hundred meter course this year? We don't, want this high jump long jump competition i mean we're seeing all of the olympic trials that are taking place and it's literally just Mm -hmm. uh you know parkour competition with a little bit of grab and go on obstacles let's like throw in some walls let's throw in some strength obstacles let's test out the versatility of obstacle course racing and not just the explosiveness please and thank you yeah yeah we can, uh, uh, that's another thing we can get into another time but man i'll tell you for a let's say last year i was 48 years old i'm five foot seven that course i said you know what uh, whatever it was like a couple bucks signed up for it just to see what i could do man that was built for like high jumping long jumping six foot two uh a huge arm span kind of thing and uh, you know, I know one of the little guys from, I hate to say little guys because he, he's Joe Morabsky's buddy, uh, little, the young kid from uh, New England. He killed that course, too, just along with Joe Morabsky. But, man, I'll tell you what, watching, like, Vijay Singh and a couple other guys just rip through that like nobody's business. It, 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 
they skipped so many like holes and so many. It was just basically like a jumping course. Like you said, jump out, hit the bell, jump out, hit the bell, grab a ring, hit the bell. It was just real quick, real easy. I mean, they were knocking that out in less than a minute where I spent like over four minutes doing it. It was like kind of embarrassing for me, but whatever. I don't care at this point. But yeah, make it better. Um, and that's what we're seeing at these Olympic trials as well. Like, I'm not here for that. Mm -hmm. I want to see real obstacle course racing, not just you know, speed, high jump, long jump. As of right now, I am not registered for the 100-meter course. If I see that it is much better developed and isn't strictly targeting parkour, then maybe I will sign up on course or at the venue. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. So awesome. I'm, with, I'm definitely with you on well, Let's see we wrap this up, kids. Yeah, this has definitely been a fun episode where we kind of just randomly talk about a bunch of things. We covered a lot, and I think all of it was good to talk about, and it was needed to be talked about. I feel a little bad that we weren't able to set something up in this gap that we've had between Indy and Mudrun and now, because we definitely could have split these up into a couple of episodes. But I wanted to yeah. give everybody a quick recap and personal recap in case anybody was wondering or didn't see. I did, in fact, get my bike back. I came home from Savage to find out my bike was stolen. Fun story there. The yeah. idiots decided to post it on Facebook less than 12 hours after they stole it. <laughs> and I got the cops involved and I went. I met them. I got my bike back. And tonight... The Boston PD, I picked up the bike in Quincy, but I filed a report in Boston. The Boston PD detective called me today to get follow-up information, ask what happened with it. And he was reaching out to Quincy to find out if they have officially formally charged the person. So that is my fun update. Everything in my life seems to be getting derailed right now. So I am very happy that we were able to sit down and have this conversation. Absolutely. I'm glad I was able to spend some time with you. Yeah, today. definitely. So do you have any plugs that you want to give before we head out? Absolutely. Uh, once again, my name is Brian Lynch. On Instagram, it is Lynch underscore BMX underscore OCR. Uh, just middle of the pack, I like to say, Race Ready Obstacles, Barbarian Boot Camp, Metal Addict. If you need to know where to go and when to race, check out OCR Buddy, Hoplite, W-O-D and Done for the Grip. Um, everybody, especially guys that race ready. Those guys are awesome. Aaron and Dana, some of my biggest heroes in this sport. And I thank you, Meg, for putting me on with you again. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, I love doing this. I love OCR. It's a, it's a huge part of my life. My kids do it. My wife comes to the races. It's an awesome time. So, uh, yeah, thank you, everybody, for uh, being part of my life and the OCR life. Um, but, yeah, uh, and if you ever get a chance, come out to uh, City Talent. That race is actually a really fun time, one of the best views in New York City you will ever get. So that's what I got for you. Awesome. I love it. Well, guys, my name is Maggie BATC. I am the OCR trainer. In case you need to find out more about me, I am on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube as the OCR trainer. I do offer obstacle course race coaching. I just talked to a race brand. I'm not going to say who just yet, but we are in talks with coming up with more training content for a smaller local that we all know and love. 
I also just found out yesterday I was approached by Mudgear, so I'm now a Mudgear ambassador. I am on the Ultra Red team. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I am a Caterpie ambassador. I am a Honey Stinger ambassador. I proudly rep OCR Buddy anywhere and everywhere. I feel like I am missing. Oh, Atomic Coffee. Phenomenal coffee out of Massachusetts. So definitely check that out. I have discount codes for a good portion of all of this. Oh, Beast Gooder. My heart, Beast Gooder. Mm -hmm. I will try to put something together to actually put my discount codes out for people because right now I have been doing a very bad job with that. So if you want to save any kind of money on almost any gear leading up to your races, I probably have a code for you to save you some money. So let me know and I will work to get that. So until next time, I think we are going to be talking about Lachey's. So if you are listening to this now, definitely pop into our Discord or Leave us some feedback, send us a message on Instagram, and give us your input on Lachey's and obstacle course racing. What do you think is going to happen if you are listening to this in Europe? We want to hear all about your experiences. You guys are doing some pretty badass things. So tell us what you love about it, what you hate about it. Ask all your training questions, and we look forward to recording again very soon. We will talk to you later. in numbers so if more people start talking about what they're happy with what they're unhappy with maybe we can create change and actually build something out of the sport